Well, hello, welcome back to our Stars and Scrum show. I am Francisco Pizak, and with me today there are three guests. One who is very happy, you cannot see us, but he has a smile of the, of the size of the moon because he's Spanish and he's very happy with the outcome of the last game that, well, qualified Spain for the for their first World Cup in the 21st century. The last time Spain was there was in 1999. Uh, and so I'll start with our Spanish friend, Rodrigo Contreras. Rodrigo, welcome to the show. Uh, before, uh, before I present the other two guests, let me ask you one thing. Are you still drunk? Drunk with <laughs> what happened? No. <laughs> no, I have to work now in in radio in rock classic radio. So no, every night and <laughs> and I can't uh, <laughs> still drinking. No, but uh, it was incredible match an incredible championship in this twelve. Uh, 22 uh, Spanish and Portuguese effort was incredible and and finally we are now uh, 24 years after in World Cup in the next World Cup in in the next year. No? Okay, with me also is Alan Dimok. He was on Madrid to watch the game. He had a lot of fun, I think. Uh, Alan, it was. It did it the ticket and the effort you made to go there on Saturday and watch uh, the game on Sunday. It it was good for you. Uh, was a big party. I had a cracking time. I thought I thought it was fantastic. I also was going to say I've just whilst uh, Rodrigo was talking, I was scrolling through some photographs because I'm pretty sure I saw a big picture of Rodrigo on the pitch, <laughs> racing, having, having, having a great time. But um, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was phenomenal. Um, the There was a lot at stake. It was a nice day. But more importantly, the entertainment on the pitch was fantastic. And I, I feel like a bit of a mole now as well, because Spain going to Scotland's group at the Rugby World Cup, and I've, I've got first-hand experience of seeing them on their own turf and getting some intel. Oh, good intel it must be. And also with me, it's Nick Heath, our, one of the greatest competitors on Rugby Europe. Nick, what was the match for you? It was one of those that a commentator uh, dreams to have once in his life, or you think the game was so-so? Uh, no, it was very much, very much the former. Uh, a fantastic and entertaining match, and and also one of those that over the course of the last few weeks, and obviously with with other factors contributing to it, made it a much bigger game than it was ever destined to be. Really, at that point, I mean, I had agreed to do my 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 commentaries for the Rugby Europe Championship. I then actually had to turn around and say, well, there's one or two I can't do because I was working on the uh, on the under twenties with the Six Nations. So I said, but you know, I'll I'll hold on to that Spain Portugal game. Very happy to do that. That'll be a nice little derby uh, to look forward to on a Sunday morning uh, commentating from London. Uh, and then obviously uh, it suddenly became a game with much more riding on it um, and uh, the opportunity to to call the game with it being 
as exciting as it was with the skills that were on show, a sold out stadium. I was incredibly envious of Mr. Dimmock for actually being uh, on site uh, and uh, and the chance not to enjoy a cold cerveza afterwards. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite quite the match and an absolute privilege to be part of and, and the opportunity to to call a country qualifying for the first time in 23 years was uh, was something that I, I won't forget for a long time. Alan, just, yeah. just to jump in there, Nick mentioned the codes, uh, survey says uh, Rodrigo was in the room for this moment as well as uh, there was a moment at the end of the game where the captain and coach were at the top table and they were doing their, their, the press conference that they're always supposed to do at the end and we thought, okay, here we go. I put my phone down to record, which was dumb of me because all the first questions were in Spanish. And f- forgive me, Rodrigo, I don't speak a word. <laughs> and so I don't know why That's I so the top table. But then, of course, there was just a scooping in the background. And it was like, what is that? And the players were all giggling away like little school children waiting to run in. And then eventually they all bought <laughs> bottles of cava everywhere. Everything is soaked. It's like a swimming pool. And one of the other press guys turns to me and just goes, it's been 24 years. I think we're allowed to do this. After yeah. my wife, after my wife said me, just smells like a big uh, drunkard. Uh, yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> it, was a, one, huh? it was a good excuse for anybody. Oh, they sprayed us with alcohol. I'm afraid I stank of it. Sorry. <laughs> there, there another picture with uh, Matt Foles uh, yeah. drinking, drinking beer. Uh, Twelve seconds after the end of the match, uh, this is iconic uh, picture for us. Well, uh, I, and rugby, yeah, yeah. and this is one of the unique things I think about it is that we, you know, this this championship goes through the same window as the as the Six Nations, and whether it's the senior men, the the under twenties, but there is such a sense you know he's, he's playing for Tunbridge Juddians Matthew Folds I mean that, that that that's where he's running out and playing but but he's he's absolutely part of that squad and he's hoisted on the shoulders he's immediately handed a beer the crowd have flooded onto the field it's it, it was a scene I couldn't believe as soon as rugby Europe put that clip out on on Sunday afternoon uh, it absolutely flew within about two hours it had had a hundred thousand views it's been retweeted over 500 times I mean that was me checking yesterday I, I've not even checked today but but it, but it really captured the heart of rugby fans who, yes, have been hugely entertained by those those big games, that crazy red card and tense atmosphere right to the end of that game at Twickenham and and and, and everything else and the, the, the entertaining rugby that the French are capable of playing. But there was something so pure with that that feeling of community rugby and that sense about that fixture that just warmed the hearts of everybody. And and I know that there's an element of that because of of where tier two in inverted commas sits and we would love the people at the top table to be putting more investment in but but there was something so romantic so beautiful about about the reactions uh, on on the pitch and yeah seeing seeing a player on the shoulders downing a beer that he fully deserved uh, rodrigo just for just yeah. for folks like myself who probably don't know spanish rugby as well as we should can you tell us how significant it is that Rugby was on the the front page of Marca uh, after the after the Sunday. Um, Marca is every day um, in the first page uh, talking about uh, football and Cristiano and Messi. And for us, uh, it's incredible, <laughs> incredible and history. Sometimes to put it in the first page, you no. Know, uh, uh, we have a two journal uh, 
the areas and marca and always are talking about uh, football only football and the other sports we have a half an page in 30 or 40 pages uh, every day and for us it's incredible to to have uh, the uh, this first page in this and these journals uh, are very very uh, incredible for us no? well if anybody wants to check it you can go for the market twitter it's easier to find the the front page uh it says ruido mundial so it's uh, rodrigo my spanish is good i'm portuguese so <laughs> um and it's a beautiful cover and it shows how how big a sport can get uh and uh, how how big it was for them on sunday um nick you watch the game, you commentate it. Uh, everyone has wanted a big showdown between the Portuguese backs, and I'm not excluding the Portuguese forwards, but the backs against uh, the Spanish uh, forwards to see who would win the arm wrestle. Uh, in the end, it was the superb defense colleague from the Spanish. As a team, it's what you want to see because at attacking in the first half, Spain was like cynic. They went there, they got the points come out defender re really well this is a team with a big t right yeah and and i think that they they knew exactly what they needed to get done in that game they were able to use those forwards to get up to strike in the 22 to use the forwards platform and get over the line uh, the brace of tries from from pinto um and it seemed that that the portuguese actually seemed a little bit without a game plan and it seemed that you know what is it mike tyson everyone's got a got a plan until you get hit on the nose and and ultimately i think the strength and the ambition and the hunger from spain that knew what was there for the taking that day was was sufficient that actually it just it rendered portugal without the ability to truly get on the front foot and set up enough of a platform for their backs to find the space and the room that they needed to do what we've seen a lot of them you know a, a, a lot of what portugal have done over the course of the championship uh, but i just thought it was a relentless display from spain no doubt buoyed by that crowd in madrid but um, uh, I thought I thought they were really impressive, and yes, there were loose moments in the game and, and periods where it broke up, but there were enough people within the Spanish side that that were prepared to put their foot on the ball to to do the ugly stuff, to set up the platform, um, and and to allow them to to take that opportunity in the opposition half and and that's it that was the real key thing for me i think they, they were just they were really intelligent about when to strike and what to go for uh and uh, and it just left portugal every time they tried a little bit harder they just seemed to fall further away uh alan yeah, yeah go go shoot well it's just it was interesting i, I wrote so i was keeping some notes uh, during the during the match we're, i'm doing a six-page feature for rugby world magazine about about this match in the next issue. Now, I'd wanted to soak up as much as possible, but obviously you keep track of what's going on in the game as well uh, as everything going on around it. And I, I just looked at my notes there, and I, the thing that I wrote in big, big block capitals at halftime was, when all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a bag of nails, but actually Spain have nailed this driving mall. Because up front, they are... I mean, it's look, it's notable that Pinto is, one of the, is the joint top try scorer in this competition. Spain know where their strengths lie. But what was special about this performance was late on in the second half, you had um, fellas like Manuel Mora and uh, as well as uh, Mingalon just 
hammering tackles late in the game, just showing huge desire and putting in seismic hits. And what, you know, Portugal were banging on the door at the end of that game, desperate to try and get something late. And in the end, it was too little too late for Portugal because the Spanish defence on their own line was superb. Like, just the desire and hunger, and that's what won it. They just had more dog than than Portugal in the end. And, you know, we're talking about the Lobos here, so I'm not sure there's something in that that I can mangle <laughs> together for that. But More dog than the wolves. Yeah, exactly. But, the you know, in the end, it was just huge, huge desire. And it's funny, speaking to some people before the game on the walk to the ground, some some Spain fans were saying, uh, not too many of them, but they were saying, if if we show our strong game, then we can we can win this we've we've got the making of them but it was a lot closer than that and i think that that's a real credit to the competition and actually it's a it was a, a game deserving of what was at stake um but spain just had um just had more heart in the in the end but not to take away from portugal at all because there was some exceptional stuff i'm i'm thinking of the try with the floated ball uh, over the top when Battencourt just one. couldn't believe yeah. his luck that there was there was that space in front of him. It was just peeksy-peeksy, and it got really tense in the second half, but that's where just the physical desire from Spain came in. Yesterday, talking about the plans with Manu Mora in my program, uh, told me uh, that two weeks ago, uh, from now, uh, training pick and goals and training lineouts every day, the forwards from Spain. Uh, Miguelon uh, is a very clever uh, forwards uh, trainer and um, thought about the pick and goals was, was the plan. Yeah, and I think is the determinant thing in the last, um, uh, the last uh, day, the last match uh, against Portugal. This pick and goes with Manu Mora, Marco, and every forwards from Spain. Yeah, we don't have the uh, the glory of being able to choose the player of the match from the from from the game, but I think Manu Mora would certainly have been up there for me. Uh, I, he was just absolutely everywhere. I also thought that uh, that uh, Alva Jimeno was brilliant and and continuing to punch up the middle as a twelve. You know, you'd expect a twelve to do, but even even the likes of Jordi Jorba was doing that as well, coming in off the wing and, and wanting to take those yards. I thought I thought Facundo Dominguez was also brilliant coming off the bench. It was just everybody seemed to be on exactly the same page over what what they wanted to do, what they needed to do, yeah. uh, and it just it it had a moment at times where it made Portugal look like a load of individuals who knew they needed to try and get this done, but actually they there there weren't as many moments where they looked like a full team. One of the things that one of the things I loved was watching um, Samuel Marquez flapping and shouting and pushing around. He's so animated. I loved I loved watching him. And he, there was just a sense as well that if there was kickable points, he was a real a real danger. I think one of the things that you mentioned uh, Jordi Yorba there. I think maybe he shouldn't have let the ball bounce as many times as he did in, in the backfield covering covering, and that that really gave Portugal an opportunity because that sowed some. Um, not discord, but some uh, a little bit of doubt. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, in that, but I'm I'm glad that everyone else is uh, highlighting the the performance of Manuel Mora because I've been telling everyone that will, will listen to me that he's a guy that's going to be a star of the Rugby World Cup if if he's fit and firing because yes, he has that look and he's a physical player and 
it might not be the silkiest stuff, but he's going to give you effort and energy and he's going to be tearing and scrapping. And I just liked watching him in the warm-up. He's sort of sauntered over to the to the touchline where the crowd was. He, he kissed a young woman on both cheeks and chatted to her a bit. He was taking a sip of a little coffee and then off he wandered again. And, and actually, uh, Rocky Clark mentioned it in Cocom. She was just like, "He's a bit like a Sebastian Chabal, isn't he?" And exactly. I just thought, I thought, I, I thought, I thought that is the duet we're waiting for at France 2023. A 38-year-old Manuel Mora alongside Sebastian Chabal having a good old, uh, you know. I think, I think we can get them doing 500 miles again, uh, Dims. Oh, yeah. um, then, then that would be a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start the petition then. It's uh, after yeah. this a Kickstarter petition. Yeah, thinking, thinking, uh, sorry, Francisco, yeah, uh, thinking about uh, in the World Cup, uh, Manu Mora against Etzebed uh, or Gray Brothers are uh, 30, uh, 20 centimeters uh, of difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And the second road with Spain and, and, and Scottish uh, second road or, or, or South Africans. No? Mm. Yeah, uh, um, there's. A, I think Spain when when they start winning the game, and if you go rewatch it, and I went to rewatch it, and as a Portuguese fan, uh, was painful, but it's it's part of the job. It was like it started with Charlie Malier, so the Spanish fullback. He makes a groundbreaking uh, run with the ball, and after it, it's it's just it's a positive aggression. He, he comes out from the ground and he is like unbattered. He went to against Portuguese Jose Madeira with the, the second row and uh, Francisco Fernandes, a big prop, as you know, one of the oldest prop in the mm -hmm. game. And he was like unimmaculated. He so Spain was like you could throw everything in, in onto them and they wouldn't stop and they didn't stop. It, it was like the 10 minutes, it was exactly like Romania, they just shut down a bit of their uh, energy at, as attacking uh, team. But those like, like five minutes in the end, they, they, didn't, they considered like eight penalties, seven penalties, but they didn't give an ounce of space. Yeah, Portugal scored a try at the 79th minute and it was like 10 seconds to the finish. So Portugal never kicked the ball, so it got the restart. But it's Spain. I, I want to ask all three of you the moment of the match because no, normally, and we'll go for Rome, talk about Romania and Georgia because it was a, a, another good match of the, of the round. But the moment for you that defined this contest between Port, Spain and Portugal, Rodrigo, I'll start with you. What was the moment that was special for you? The, the end of the match, no? <laughs> <laughs> besides oh. that one, besides that one. Yeah, this uh, uh, it's a, a moment, a special moment in the first uh, time in the, I think it's uh, 15 minutes or the first try of Spain. Uh, John Zavala is uh, is uh, put in the try, uh, but uh, this uh, communion uh, with the third, our third line and thinking. I think it's the moment because uh, Spain uh, was very concentrated, uh, training after, uh, before the match, and in the first time, in the first 40 minutes, uh, like a match with Romania, uh, was incredible. After uh, the defense, Alba Jimeno is our 
I'm thinking the best uh, player of defense. Um, but there are a lot of moments. I, I don't know uh, just one, no? But I think the try of John Tabala for me, uh, was the moment of the try in the first time. Okay, that's a very good moment. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, you. Yeah. for you, the moment of the moment. Oh, sorry, sorry, I, I misheard you there. Um, actually, I, I didn't note down the specific time, and I probably got the players that were involved uh, completely wrong because I was caught up in it at the time. But <laughs> there was a moment where I think it was Ordas, late, uh, mid to late in the second half, uh, made a break down the touchline, busted through a tackle. The, the, at this point, there was errors on both sides. It was tit for tat in terms of kicks. Spain would go 10 points ahead, then it would be 7 points, then it would be 10. Um, and there was just a moment where something just opened up. There was a little bit of space. Spain poured through. I think it was Ordas. Eventually, it was turned over, and he was hobbling. He was bad. And if the, If Portugal had used it properly... There could potentially have been a two-on-one on the wing, and who knows what could have happened. But there was just a hit in their twenty uh, on the edge of their twenty-two, a turnover, and it just came at the right time. And there was a scent. That was the moment where I thought, "This is it. It's in Spain. Have got this because they have, however tense it is in this second half, they've got the emotional energy, and they've just what you know when someone wins that penalty just at the right moment. And it was that was it where I was like, okay, it didn't lead to a score, nothing like that. There were too many errors, but it just felt like okay secured and i thought for me that was when i really started to appreciate how crazy the crowd were going sorry there are another moment when come back uh, marco pinto three minutes uh, to the end uh, and uh, he uh, made the scrum the final scrum this is important moment for for spain i think it too. it's another moment perfect for us nick uh, Rodrigo not talking about the scrum. Uh, that was a, spe uh, a special moment, but I think you you are going for something else this time, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of a couple of moments that have almost been touched on. I mean, I think the, the period where it was the penalties that went from 7 to 10 to 7 to 10, and then, you know, that final one at 33-23, uh, that was about on the hour mark, wasn't it? And so there was, there was a consistent then sort of, 10, 15 minutes of Spain just managing to look more resolute with that 10-point lead than they had done with any lead over the game so far. And and although Portugal were trying to punch and counter-punch, and, and it was the fact that Spain managed to then reassert that 10-point lead, but it just it looked at that point like a 15 or 20-point lead. And that was the period I just I could see them working so hard for each other. I could see the defensive shifts that they were putting in for everything that Portugal were trying to offer. And, and they knew, I think it was sort of 71 and a half minutes i was saying well well this is this is probably this is the this is the moment it has to happen for portugal now and it didn't it was a, it was a you know another 7 minutes later before it actually but they managed to get the try in the corner and and I, I think that was testament to what what spain were doing to to get in the way and disrupt um and then as much as rodrigo is uh, is laughing about the end of the game it's funny it's it's one of those moments as a commentator you know that the whistle is coming the clip is going to be played on social media. You have to get your line absolutely right. But of course, because the clock's in the red and the penalty's been awarded, well, the celebrations have started before you've got your final line out. So I'm there and the celebration, they're all in each other's arms and I'm, I'm relying on the pictures. I'm waiting to see if we've heard the final whistle and then eventually we do. So then I'm, I'm able to, uh, you, won't sit, you, you can't see it on the thing, but I've got my little scribble that I did towards the end of the game. Uh, you know, it's an historic afternoon in Madrid as Spain qualify for the World Cup for the second time in their history. 
and I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and and, and allowing allowing the right time for that to, that line to come out is is part of the skill of broadcasting, but also waiting for the players to actually you know start reacting at the right time because yes now the game has finished and and this is now this is now the consequence. So yeah, I, I just everything that built really through that that final twenty minutes just just. It led to to that real conclusive feeling that that this is absolutely going to happen, and 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 you know, uh, regretfully, Francisco, uh, it wasn't <laughs> happening for Portugal. Yeah, Alan, you talked with me before the game about the environment and what you were expecting by the about the stand and the the public in there. Um, you think it was the best calling card that the Radio Championship could give to a fan that isn't. Uh, Spanish or Portuguese or Georgian, Romanian or uh, Dutch or Russian or whatever it is. It was. I think. Do you think it was a good calling card? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the spectacle was incredible, but there was. It, it just felt so welcoming. And I know we say that a, a lot about um, about rugby and its, its values and all that sort of stuff. However, with this, sometimes and Nick Nick can probably talk to this a little bit as well as. We sometimes get inured to the the pomp and pageantry of, of of you know a match at Twickenham, for example, where there's fireworks going off before anything's happened, and the, the music's turning you deaf, and you can't speak to the person next to you, and people try to sell you something every five minutes. Whereas I looked around the stand on Sunday, and there was families having picnics, players were coming over during their warm up to, to you know to see see fans and interact. Um, I uh, had uh, Jaime Vara on my right who was commentating on the match and he was running down to the stand every two minutes to hug someone. I had the commentator literally in my ear, which was an amazing soundtrack for the match, just hearing the Spanish comms going and the emotions going up and down. And it just felt, you know, without blowing too much smoke up the up the likes of Rodrigo, there was just a, there was just an inherent pureness to it. And it's But what I like about that is it... And it Rugby should be welcoming to. We shouldn't sneer about the idea of rugby tourism and people going around the world and seeing different things. And it, I just felt like I could rock up to this without doing it as my day job and be felt feel very welcome and see an incredible spectacle and then say to people, "Where are you all going to the pub afterwards?" And off we pop. And now, obviously, with that game, it's Spain had qualified for the Rugby World Cup and uh, it was in Madrid, so obviously everyone was going to the pub afterwards and there was a, enough mahu to sink a battleship. But um, yeah, it just as my first experience in town, I absolutely loved it, and I, I will be pushing my editor as much as possible to to come back because hey, there's going to be some pretty sexy World Cup warm ups to be played. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that that's worth bearing in mind over the championship as a whole this year is we've had five out of the ten fixtures have all finished within a score of each other in terms of the teams and and the the amount of entertainment and stories you can tell off the back of that to draw people into into the rugby Europe championship so important Georgia Portugal twenty five all four points between Russia and Spain uh, where were we Spain then thirty eight uh, no what was it Romania Georgia there was only three points between them and then, and obviously we had Spain Portugal with only five so uh there were there were so many close contests um and uh i, I i'm also gonna gonna you know make sure i i put myself front and center in the good fortune of this being you know very low on ego as i am uh but uh november i was in paris 
when France beat New Zealand in Paris for the first time since 1973. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Cardiff when Cardiff turned over Leinster uh, at home for the first time, I think, since 2007. Uh, and, uh, and so now I've helped Spain get to Ooh. the Rugby World Cup uh, in 2023. So I'm available if your team needs any help. So we have <laughs> when Europe is now sponsoring uh, Nick Heath as uh, a lucky a lucky charm. So okay, that's it. That's it. <laughs> we start the bidding tomorrow. Hey, and, you know, and if it's if it's the if it's the girl in the pub or the guy in the pub that you want to talk to that you've always fancied for years, just bring me with you. It's good fortune for everybody. Okay, I'm in the pub with me. Testify to this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there, the, Francisco, there are sentence of Santos uh, after the match and said from now on to every every teams uh, from this championship, for this uh, European championship, and I, I'm in the call with him. No, uh, I think he uh, is a special moment uh, to Romania, to Spain, to Portugal, to Georgia, to. We are closer than one year ago than Six Nations teams. Um, it's important moment uh, for this uh, championship uh, for us. I think I, and and I believe uh, the this uh, one rock in our way to from now on uh, increase the the rugby in, in all in all things in our lives. No. Oh, well put, yes, Rodrigo. So about, let's go before we talk about the fifth round because there's still a championship on on the line uh, as Spain and Georgia can still win it. But before that, let's talk about Georgia and Romania. It was a big clash at Bucharest. It's a big clash. I know I'm just going to, to resume what happened. Uh, so Georgia needed a win to still be on the line for the title. If they lose, lost against Romania, it was almost over because they had drawn with Portugal, if everyone remembers. Uh, what we thought it would be a stepping stone for Portugal to get to the World Cup, in the end, it little matters for, for, for things to come. Um, now Georgia has to play against Spain to finish the, the championship. Alan, Georgia, Spain, in Tbilisi, Both teams are on the World Cup, so nobody has nothing to lose, only a title. Georgia have secured it for the last five years. Do you think they still go for this year or Spain with the momentum? And with, you talk with us about the momentum and that detail. Can get that special title, something that <laughs> they didn't win it in the last 20 years. What do you think, Alan? I wish I could describe Rodrigo's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, answer, what answer would you like me to give, Rodrigo? Because I don't want to jinx anyone. But so, uh, Some players are coming back uh, to play this uh, weekend with the uh, French leagues. I think uh, Georgia uh, will be the champion okay. <laughs> in this championship, but I don't know. <laughs> but, but but the thing is, what what gives everyone a glimmer of hope is that Georgia haven't been themselves themselves uh, for for this this year in this competition, and it was so close to being something completely different against Romania, and in the end, they they just had enough. Um, I don't want to downplay the, the match against Portugal because. 
you know, Portugal have played exceptional rugby. Um, but it's it, and and I would say that it's good for the long term health of this competition that it's not just Georgia clobbering everyone all the time, um, because uh, and obviously team national teams go through regeneration processes. But even if Georgia win this, there will be serious questions asked of what direction they're moving in and how how do they change things up because we now have two teams tied into the the rugby world cup proper sorted out we know we know who the european qualifiers are directly someone could still come through the repechage of course but um you know we know that these these two teams are in spain are on an upwards trajectory the interesting thing is you talk about momentum francisco but maybe it's maybe it's more of a question of how much emotional energy is left or whether that's you know, their final has been played already. And to be honest, I don't imagine anyone would be upset with these Spain players if, if there was a, an emotional hangover to go with the literal hangover <laughs> from, from, from the weekend. And um, But th- that being said as well, um, I spoke to uh, Santiago Santos after the game uh, about what this would mean for, for Spanish rugby, and he, he used the word, Sometimes it felt like it was invisible because of the lack of presence on television and, and what was what was needed for Spanish rugby going forward and what opportunity this presents. Hey, it would be amazing to see uh, rugby on the, the front of Marca again with uh, Spain winning a, winning a title. But, you know, I don't think anyone would begrudge them if, if, if Georgia do the business. And whether they just have enough traditional strength and depth and whether they can rely on someone like Nini Asbili to pull magic out of nothing... Then again, I'm, I, I forgive my ignorance. I'm not sure if Georgia will have a full strength contingent either, because the job's done for them in qualification, and they exactly. mm-hmm. and um, you know there's big competitions to go on in, in France, for example. But um, yeah, maybe maybe it'll even things up a little bit. But uh, you know, either way, I think oh God, what what a fence sitting answer this is. Everyone's going to be. Nick, are you on the fence or are you tilting for someone? Come on, you are the lucky charm now. Come on, give the luck now. I'd, I'd, I'd love to tell you I've had my eye fully trained on every movement of Georgia through the rugby championship. I'd be lying if I was. Uh, but um, but I think it, it does depend on what where their injury status is and, and who, who they're able to put out. Um, and, uh, you know, they... They have the potential to not get their game together. The 25-all draw with Portugal was was partly reliant on on the ambition and ability of Portugal in that game, but it was also on Georgia looking like an old France team in that as it started to fall apart, the introspection and the questioning of each other, um, the amount of looking at each other and shrugging of the shoulders and disappointment in each other. I just thought, well, well, these guys are absolutely cooked. So, uh, you know, it, I guess it's a question of whether they've managed to regroup and get themselves together enough to be able to go, look, we, we need to make sure that we remind everybody that we're the top of this this pile. Uh, but yeah, I think certainly the belief and the uh, the bouncing confidence in Spain is there for them to be able to go on and do it. I just wonder though, a little bit, uh, a little bit like we see in, in plenty of sporting arenas, whether they've won the final they really needed to win, uh, so uh, so they can and go and go and prepare themselves for a nice night out in Tbilisi. But ultimately, that uh, it'll be it'll be Georgia who, who come out on top. Yeah, and and we can't discount the factor of having a home tie. You know, Spain. Things have fallen very well for Spain in that they've had three key ties uh, at home uh, to, to end this uh, campaign with, and, and it's worked out wonderfully for them. They've done the business, Georgia and Georgia. So you'd imagine that that's always going to be worth 
seven to ten points at this stage anyway. Rodrigo, uh, as the Spanish say, por la victoria, <laughs> I ask you now if you think, and Alan said it very wisely, is the emotional hangover. You think Spain, even if they lose three or four players for the Prodeda or the top 14 this weekend, if you think your team, Los Leones, can go for the Grand Slam in the Ribi Europe Championship, something they never <laughs> ha ha have won, So they can do it for the first time ever, and it will be very special now. What's your opinion about it? I hope the, <laughs> I hope this this moment, no, <laughs> but it's complicated now. In Madrid, there are very big uh, sandstorm, and the Leones yeah. uh, can uh, can train uh, in the field because it's dangerous uh, to breathe uh, this. Uh, the sand, yeah, yeah, the sun and. But I, I think it, everything is possible with Santos <laughs> in the in the for for Cap Day in the, the Spain. But um, I think it, this is this is emotional hangover that Alan uh, said uh, is is good for us. It's good for us, and the players uh, from Spain are now. In, in the top of the level um, I think it, the, this the team uh, is very similar to team against uh, Portugal or Romania and um, mm -hmm. I think it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good it's the best moment for Spain to 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 to, to, for, to win the Grand Slam in, in this championship no? but I, I don't know but I'm I'm, I'm Confident. I think in, I think yeah I'm confident with with the Leones. <laughs> um, I know all of you didn't see the remaining Georgia match, so I won't talk about it. But for the Spain Portugal, uh, you talk uh, Alan about uh, Manuel Mora, but who besides the big lock and I described him in the team of the round as uh, bear octopus. So it's <laughs> I have the description right. there, yeah, because it's what he so, is. And Man Manu Mora was rower, you know, no? Yeah, until uh, <laughs> until his 25th birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so start playing Arabia 25. So it's one of the stories that you like. Al is preparing a massive story about Spanish rugby, and you'll see some details there. But Alan, yeah, but I'm gonna mangle. I'm gonna mangle the details. That's gonna turn into Manuel, no, 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 no. You never mangle. He's some sort of creature from the lagoon. But uh, you're asking me who I was impressed. I mean, I'm glad Rodrigo called out um, Zabala because uh, I just felt his physical output was incredible. Um, you know, take the try out of it. I believe that was his first try. Was it? He was uh, try any. I think the first line break off the game is from him from the rug. Yeah. Well, he you goes. have to. Give You have to give credit for a fantastic offload, but I thought his his uh, physical output was just superb. And I, mm -hmm. I, you know, he he did make every time I saw him catch the ball or make a tackle, I sort of sat up and and take notice. Obviously, there's a there was a the odd scrum penalty for Portugal as well, but I, I was impressed with his his showing up up front uh, in the scrum. But then then the other one that just seemed to have his his paw prints on everything was um, Frederick Quercy as well. Yeah. There was just, So many, I, I'd love to see his statistics for what he was involved in in that game. And even if it was just at the key moments of the game where he popped up, they just seemed to be like, well, there he is again. 
And I'm imagining that that's what the Portuguese players were saying to each other. There he is again. <laughs> Go away. Um, I, I thought they were great. And I just thought Ordas, um, you know, he, he hobbled off and I, I hope he's all right. But the, you know, by that point, the, the job had been largely done and it was a case of just seeing things out and gritting your teeth and going through. But I, I think all of them uh, deserved, deserved a little bit of a mention, yeah. I bet the anti-inflammatory properties of a couple of beers and the sweet taste of victory made whatever injury he had uh, go away pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I certainly agree with with Fred Quercy uh, as a mention. I think I think that's spot on. Uh, mentioning John Thabala, I mean, he, he's. I, I had down in my notes that it was his nineteenth game of the season for club and country. So you know, th- this is a guy that that has been putting a shift in over the course of the season, regularly playing. No doubt, part of the reason he he looked as sharp as he did. But but yeah, I thought. I thought he was brilliant. And I'm, I'm going to give an honourable mention to a man who's probably more bear than octopus. But um, it, when coaches say that as much as, you know, as much of your play is about what you do off the ball, I don't know how many dummy runs Afa Towley made. Uh, he probably only received the ball one out of four times, but he must have made a hell of a lot of metres without the ball because he was constantly making a run as an option uh, and probably sucking in a couple of, uh, of Portuguese defenders in the process. So I actually thought he was he was just as devastating and causing, causing the Portuguese defence enough problems when he was a dummy runner as much as when he was actually carrying. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we'll forget the red cards from Kersey against uh, Romania last year. No? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Always forgiven. No, no. Oh, every, 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 uh, a lot of fans say they never came more Fred Kersey after this uh, action uh, with uh, Romania last year. But now it's, it's a very, very player for us. It's a very big player for us. And I don't know, does anyone get slight Gabin Villiers vibes from Gautier Mingillon? I mean, I, I don't know whether it's Some. just because because he wears Gautier the scrum Mignon. cap, but uh, but there's 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 sort of yeah. I, I was I was getting sort of Gabin Villiers vibes about the sort of the little guy scurrying about and causing all sorts of problems. He put in one massive hit near the end of the second half, and I, I think I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, and it was just like yeah. And that, to be honest, that was at the stage where. You didn't need to show anything flashy. Like that's not what wins you test matches at this level with this amount of pressure. It's those those physical interventions where you just got to want it more. And I was like, okay, cool, brilliant, and yeah. and, and and always a willing, always willing to carry the ball in traffic without thinking that there was a half break on, which again is vital and staying in field. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good shout, Nick. Yeah. So here you have uh, Rodrigo. Yeah. They talked a lot about Spanish players. But who was for you, besides Manuel Mora or Fred Quercy, uh, the best in the in the grass last Sunday? Last Sunday, or oh, Marco Pinto? Marco Pinto. Marco okay. Pinto, yeah. Hooker, yeah. Or Hooker, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hooker, sí, sí. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or oh, Manu Mora, Marco Pinto, I think so. <laughs> so we have here. Oh, everybody like likes a, a front row, huh? Now everybody likes it when when they don't score tries. Nobody remi- remembers them, but when they score, okay. So, <laughs> and uh, just details, I'll give a, a good player so you can rewatch a Romanian George game. Uh, Ninashvili uh, was, a, again, completely amazing. It's the sidestep, or for me, it wasn't even the sidesteps. He made like free line, line breaks against Romania, but he got two turnovers at the breakdown. A fullback who froze himself to the ruck 
and completely wins against a Ford in the opposition, a Romanian Ford. So it's always big guys. It shows how special this player is. Go rewatch the game. You can rewatch in Arabia Europe TV, and you you'll be uh, amazed by him. So last part of the show is the prediction. So I like to go to the predictor, and we have like seven minutes still to finish. Rodrigo, you have to give me uh, Rom- Netherlands Romania. I think most offer you if you're going to say Romania by a lot of points, but let's try to to to, to go for the margins as no, well as Georgia's point. So. Win Netherlands, I win Spain this this week. No, no. Stop with the false hopes. Stop with the false hopes. (laughs) (laughs) So, George, Spain, what's the score for you in the end? Uh, I don't know. Georgia, 15. Spain, uh, 18. Okay, so we're going to have another belter, okay. Uh, Nick, for you, George Spain, what will be the score by the end? Your microphone is off, Nick. <laughs> Sorry, it's only Come the start on. of the pandemic, isn't it? No. Uh, I'm going Georgia 26, Spain 23. Okay, another free point, but this time for Georgia. Alan, <laughs> come on, it's got to be you. You have to to stop with the, the three-point margins. Everyone stop being cowards. It's going to be 35-34 to Georgia. Oh, so a tri-marathon. Tri- okay, I liked it. So, Alan, and neither of you. And you, Francisco, your score? <laughs> my score for, for me, it's going to be Georgia 26, Spain 19. This is my score. Okay. okay yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, it's it's going to be fun uh, because when, if Nanish really plays, it's going to be fun. If it if it's not in the field, well, I think Spain can win it. There's two or three players important for, for uh, Georgia. Two of them uh, are Alan's favorites. It's Apratice and Lobanice, so the, the scrum halves, halves. So, but that's my score for it. And Netherlands, Romania. Alan, come on, give me here a score in the game. I mean, I was going to say that Netherlands are going to win it. By no, come on. <laughs> you can say it. You can no, say no. it. I think, I think Romania will win that 33-5. 33-5. Okay, Nick. Yeah, I was going to go that uh, that certainly will. That Netherlands will get themselves a try, uh, but, uh, but I think it'll be fairly one-way traffic. I'm going to go 42-5. 42-5. So 33-5 and 42-5. Okay, it's going to be fun. Rodrigo, your turn. 25-7-2 Romania. 25-7. That's a very interesting score. Okay, that's good. Um, we, before we finish, we're going to still record it next week after everything is done. Um, Alan, I'll already ask you about the environment, but this Rabia Arab Championship, is, it was the best product to sell uh, this competition, don't you think? Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think people need to be talking more about the fact that how accessible it is online, the fact that you can watch and, okay, yes, you have to listen to Nick chatter away. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, I think I think the next time round we come to it, you should see the numbers go up. Okay, there's, there won't be as much at stake. But 
what we've seen is the quality of of opposition is 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 incredible. The matches are very close. I'm just echoing really what Nick what Nick said before, but it's it it's really has added a, a real flavour to to get to this stage and to rely on a derby to get uh, to get a major result to decide something incredible yeah. for the for the future of sport in, in Europe certainly. It's it's fantastic, and I, I for one will certainly be tuning in as much as possible next season as well. Rodrigo, um, you've been following as me for a long time, or more, much longer than me, the Rebiru Championship or the how is it called it in the past? Uh, it was the European Nations Cup, and before that was a FIRA tournament. Uh, this year has been a special tournament. Yes, last year was good also, but this year has been incredible. Um, what can you say to fans that are not from Spain or Portugal, that are from England or Ireland or Scotland or France? How? What can you say to them to come and watch more this championship with us? It's, it's difficult. It's, uh, I think... Uh... After after this this year, uh, we we engaged more these fans, no, of every world. But I don't know; it's it's it's, it's difficult uh, attract the, the, the these these fans to this uh, championship, or or I don't know, I don't, I don't know, Francisco, Jay Allen. Well, uh, what I was going to say is. This has been a fantastic. This has been a watershed moment, but it's you can't let it pass you by. You should. We shouldn't want to sit here in a year's time and say there's a fantastic opportunity to convert more people in the countries that are taking part here. You know, Spain. Spain have got a year to build up the fact that they're in a, a rugby World Cup and get as convert as many people to rugby as possible before. You can't just rely on the Rugby World Cup being on being more visible. To, to get more kids or more, uh, playing rugby or to get more people that played rugby at school or university back into the game. So let's talk about this in a positive light. This has been a fantastic stepping stone, but we probably shouldn't be worrying so much about people from Ireland or England or Scotland or Iceland or Australia uh, tuning in. It, that's a that's a great bonus, but let's, let's really capitalise in, in country about what's happening with this because you want to be able to say that you, you know where the next... I think it's the same. No? It's incredible opportunity, no, to to in this moment. No, <laughs> I hope it is. It will be, yes. Nick. Uh, you've been commenting games from maybe Europe Championship for some years now. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I think all, all team, all nations have been growing up. Uh, one or two went down, like Germany and Belgium, but we hope they'll be become big again. But to be in a belter and to be f being fun, right? It has absolutely, and I'm I'm going to give a little a little shout out here to uh, to a man whose name won't necessarily be on the lips of many people, but um, but Ben Fox, formerly of the Scottish Rugby Union, turned up at Rugby Europe and said, "We really need to be covering more of these games, and people need eyeballs on them." Um, and he's had the backing of his bosses, who appreciated that that was probably a good thing to, to to look at doing. And over the course of the last couple of years, the games have delivered, people have tuned in, the interest on the social media clips has gone up and up and up, and yeah. 
yes, because of the pandemic, we've been doing a lot of it remotely. But my goodness me, am I hoping that there's a little more in the budget next year because I can't wait for some weekends in Madrid that Alan was able to enjoy and getting to Tbilisi for the first time. And I think that's something that, although I appreciate you know, the legacy starts here for a team like Spain. You can't just, like Alan says, wait for the World Cup. You have to get a lot of this traction now for what's going on and when the when the teams are playing, where the where the players are playing their rugby. And so that's how you try and grow it within the nations that are in the Rugby Europe Championship. But I still think there is a bigger piece for where the rugby fans, the bigger audiences of them exist within the more likely six nations traditional heartlands uh, and actually say to them, look, if the game you've got this weekend is your team away, but you quite like travelling or it's not a city you're bothered by, why don't you pop over to Madrid or why don't you go to Bucharest and actually take in one of these games? Because I think I think that is that is a real appeal, is that fans will travel and go to games. The quality of the games we've seen this year, the, the narrow scorelines, as I've mentioned, um, the familiarity of some of the names that we've got to know over the course of this championship so far and people having Manu Mora rolling off their tongue, uh, I think is brilliant. The conversation about Tier 1 versus Tier 2 will always continue. I did Italy against Georgia a few years ago and and Italy battered Georgia. Uh, It's not a conversation that needs to continue for me. For me, it's more interesting to look at the investment in the sort of lower tiers of club rugby, where, as you can see in France, so many of these international players are playing their rugby, getting experience against other people of good quality and ultimately becoming better overall and allowing the international picture to develop and prosper as a result. So whether that's a nod to the RFU and a nudge to say, we're a bit overdue putting some investment into the championship, but look what it could do. Look at the additional talent, whether it's academy players or more local players who've all developed and, and taken part in higher level competitions as a result. That's where the investment needs to go. And then the quality of the rugby will speak for itself and, and more and more people p- people will, will choose to turn turn up and, and tune in. We're all going to Tbilisi. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, Rodrigo, to finish... You can say in Spanish to our friends, the Leones are, are, are on the World Cup. Come on, say it in Spanish so can, people can learn it. <laughs> Los Leones están en la Copa del Mundo. Están de vuelta en la Copa del Mundo. Uh, vamos. vamos, vamos. <laughs> oh, thank you all for coming to the show again. Um, it was special. Next week, we'll record the last one from the Stars and Scrums for the Rigby Euro Championship. There will be more about the Super Cup that's going to come back. Uh, one just announcement to finish. Rugby Europe is doing a fundraiser for Ukrainian rugby community. Uh, go to our website and check it out. See how can you help us and help them. There's It's simple. Uh, it's I, I think some people are torn to, about the situation, but go and understand what's on the on the line okay so rugby is much more than the ball being played it's a community it's people who like it okay so f- fifth round it's this weekend the uh, spain is going to play against georgia and romania is tr- going to try or will get the third place against the netherlands and they go for a repassage that will be in november next year okay thanks to Nick Heath, Alan Dimuk, and uh, Rodrigo Condre for coming to the show. You can find them all on Twitter. Uh, Alan is always, always posting some of his pieces for Rebi World Magazine. There's one coming out about Spain. Uh, Rodrigo has a podcast. He talks a lot and he ex- explains a lot about uh, Spanish rugby. And Nick Heath 
while he's all over the place. If it is woman, <laughs> women, women's that's, ready, that's been said about me many times. Nick oh, Heath is all over the place. Yeah. Oh, it's but it's a good over all over the place, <laughs> and you and you do also quizzes. So it's the cherry on the top for Nick Heath. Fans. Oh, thanks. Well, actually, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as a chance to plug that uh, we will be doing a quiz for uh, Ukraine on the 23rd of March. So uh, I hope people can tune in for that. Okay. Th thanks all. Go ahead to go, go so to Twitter. Thank you, Rodriguez. Thank you, Nick. See you next time. Bye bye.